everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today on Men's Leadership Network. And I'm excited to be sitting here with Jason Gottwalls. And Jason is just an amazing man. And, and we're going to be talking today about a struggle I think that's very real. And maybe in your life or maybe in the life of somebody you know and your family or a coworker, or a friend. And so this is an important podcast for you today and for all of us today. And I just really appreciate Jason being here and joining us. And Absolutely. so thanks so much. Jason, tell us a little bit about your life kind of, you know, growing up years and family and then even career? So I think um, we moved around a lot. Mm. My dad, you know, whenever I tell people, where have you lived? They're like, were you military? <laughs> uh, but we weren't. We actually, my dad was in rental cars and he was a group manager of um, four different locations around Houston, Dallas, and Texas. Yeah. Then we moved from there to uh, Chicago, Illinois, mm. lived there for a couple years and we ended up in Omaha, and subsequently, as an adult, then I've moved to Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, we moved a couple places around Florida and then ended up here in, in Nashville in 2012. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a fun ride. Yeah. Uh, I don't think my parents were ready for me. Really? In particular. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were relatively young, I think. Mm. Maybe not even chronologically, but mentally they mm -hmm. were young. And, uh, and that was felt, mm. you know. So I, I never really felt like, uh, I don't want to say wanted, mm. but I grew up with just sort of an awkwardness. Mm. And when my sister was born, and there's a big age difference between us, there's about an eight-year age difference. Okay. I think at that point, they were, quote-unquote, ready for yeah. kids. Mm. And that also played a role because you could feel that. Mm. So... You know, that was, uh, I think that those formative years are just so important. Mm -hmm. And I think they did the best they could, mm -hmm. but they just uh, were not, you know, they weren't prepared. Yeah. And that's a good word to all of us who are dads out there. I mean, just being present and having your mindset that God Absolutely. has given you this gift. and Absolutely. So tell us about your journey then. I mean, after you kind of grew up and left the home, kind of mm -hmm. what happened from there? Well, it was interesting. You know, there were a lot of things that happened um, really from sort of the early teen years mm. up into my 20s. Mm. Uh, there was experiences with drugs. There mm. was counseling. There was a lot of therapy. Mm. There was, um, you know, sort of really breaking, breaking myself down mentally and, mm. and, and rebuilding myself, mm -hmm. which was good. And uh, I definitely came out into my early 20s as a better person. Mm. However... There was still that, uh, you know, as you or Nick say, mm. there's that God-sized hole in our heart. Mm -hmm. And I never learned how to deal with that. So I think I learned how to, how to live successfully, mm -hmm. but I never learned how to, you know, or, or what to do with that hole. Mm. So coming out of, of that stage, you know, that sort of adolescent, and I don't think that, you know, I don't think I grew up until I was... 35 mm -hmm. and I'm 41. Yeah. So really we're not talking that long of a difference, but you know, when I turned 21 and, and started, uh, um, drinking legally, mm. it didn't take long for that to become the thing that filled the hole. Mm. So, wow. you know, 23, 24, 25, it became, uh, very, very common for me to just drink myself into a stupor. Wow. Yeah, and I didn't drink socially because I didn't like drunk people, uh -huh. which makes a lot of sense, yeah. right? So I would drink just to annihilate myself, yeah. and uh, and it was hard. 
What was and your it first continued. like uh, encounter with alcohol? Do you remember, was that like uh, high school or was that later yeah. on? So there was, you know, there were encounters at, uh, I want to say, you know, 14, 16, mm -hmm. 18, but it never really took. Mm. And, and I say that because one of the interesting things about my journey is my mom has been in, in the program in AA mm. for over 30 years. Wow. So she quit drinking. She quit drinking when Jessica, my sister, was born. Okay. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was interesting to see that progression. You know, at first, her being an alcoholic, really, she was codependent, mm. right, with me mm. as her child. Mm -hmm. And uh, to see her kind of come out of that, and granted, I was 8, 10 years old, mm -hmm. you know, I just wanted my mom back. Because yeah. I felt like, you're going to these meetings, you're never home anymore. You know, I, I liked it when you would just sit on the couch and, and, and be drunk and, you know, spend time with me. Right. So looking back wow. on it, though, it was awesome that I grew up and, and she grew so much mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, et cetera, and learned so much about herself. So I feel like I had that knowledge mm -hmm. of what alcohol could do, uh, both to a family and, and you know, personally. Mm. So it kind of stopped me for a long time, right? Mm. You know, I would, I would get drunk or whatever, and then I wouldn't drink again for months. And it really wasn't until I got out, you know, into the real world that alcohol became the, the crutch that it ended up being. Wow. So when did you started drinking, like, you know, 21, you said, and 23, yep. 24, and it was to fill this hole in your life? Yeah. But Absolutely. you didn't do it publicly. It was more kind of on your own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were people, I had some drinking buddies. Okay. And, uh, you know, and we would all just get hammered on a Tuesday. Yeah. But the reality was, the, the longer I went, so that was maybe, you know, in that 23, 25 phase. Yeah. And then the longer I went, the more it became not a social drinker, not anything else. It was a medication, mm. right? So, and that always sounds, I think that sounds odd to people who don't have a good experience with alcoholism. Mm. But there's a reason we're drinking, mm. and it's not for fun. Mm. So, wow, yeah. 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 So how did you start to identify in your life that you had an issue? I mean, was there uh, something, a catalyst that happened there, or was it like work or friendships? Or how did alcohol, like, all of a sudden reveal, man, I've got, I've got an issue here? I think that, you know, obviously Natalie, my yeah. wife, uh, you know, when we met, I was in that early 20s kind of phase. Mm. So it became obvious that she could go out and, and have fun and, mm -hmm. you know, drink. Mm. And, and it doesn't, it didn't tear her down, mm. right? It, it didn't turn into the vicious cycle that it did for me. So I think she kind of modeled that in our, in our early marriage. Mm. And as she modeled how a quote-unquote normal person handles alcohol, I just devolved even further. Mm. So uh, it really became apparent, you know, it was obvious in our, in our early marriage. And she said to me, I think you're an alcoholic. And I was like, well, of course, I come from, an, you know, a messed up family. Yeah. And my mom's an alcoholic and blah, blah, blah. And it was just, you know. But there was never a real acceptance. It was, it was you know, an excuse. Mm. So when Isabella was born, we had uh, moved to Jacksonville. So this would have been like 07, 08. Mm. She was born in 08. 
we moved there in 07. Um, you know, and moving is hard. Oh, yeah. Obviously did it a lot as a kid and, and there's a lot to, you know, to deal with and a lot to run away from for an alcoholic. So the drinking picked up then. It was, Isabella was born and uh, I started going through these phases in her first two years, you know, the 08 to, to 2010 where it was, I would go way down and then it would be like, that's it, I'm done. I'm not drinking anymore. Throw away all the, you know, the liquor and the beer mm. and put the vodka down the toilet and maybe it would last, you know, anywhere from two weeks, maybe it would last a month, mm. but then it would always start slowly creeping back in. Mm. And, uh, and Natalie was, you know, I didn't even, I don't think I realized that cycle mm. and she pointed it out and, uh, you know, it was probably the fourth time that I had quote unquote quit drinking mm. and she's like, I don't believe you. Mm. Right. Because, yeah. and, and nor did she have a reason to. Yeah. So, so how did it impact your marriage and how did it impact your job? I mean, how did you start to see that? Like, wow. It got to a point. Um, so my job, I was always very cognizant of, you mm -hmm. know, having seen people <clears throat> being in sales, there, there is um, alcohol flows freely mm -hmm. at a lot of our, you know, meetings and things like that. So I had seen a lot of people make a lot of mistakes. Mm. And I vowed that I wouldn't make that mistake. But what it, where it did manifest itself was, you know, I would go to, you know, we would be on at a conference, for mm -hmm. instance. And so maybe we're there three nights, four days. And, you know, every the first night and the third night, there's cocktail receptions. And I would go and have a drink mm -hmm. and then, it, you know, sneak out basically not say goodbye to anybody I would just disappear mm. and what was happening after that is I was going back to the hotel room or wherever we were staying and I had already bought my own bottle of vodka mm. right so it was you know I'll go and have a, a drink socially to maintain appearances but then I'm going to go and actually drink yeah, yeah. so so that's how that kind of played out uh, I remember there was a conference call I was on we were living in Florida at the time so it would have been somewhere in that 07 to to 09, 10 range. And I was on this conference call and I started drinking. I was in my car. That was another thing, right? Because Natalie saw the, Natalie saw what happened when I drank. So I started having to hide the drinking. Yeah. So I would drink in the car, mm. which is really smart. Oh yeah. 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 Wow. Wicked smart. Mm. Uh, so I was sitting, you know, a couple blocks from our house doing a conference call and I started drinking and the conference call just dragged on and on. And I mean, it ended up being like a 90-minute call, and by the end, I was just hammered. <laughs> and they called on me to, to comment on something, and I, and I realized, I was like, I can't talk. I'm too, it would just be obvious. Yeah. Like, I'm hammered. Yeah. And so they, it was funny because they were like, oh, he must have dropped off. He's probably driving. And that was, you know, that was a vivid, that is a vivid memory, memory to me yeah. where I was like, okay, th this, is, this is insane. Yeah. Right? the common definition of insanity, whether it's an AA or anything is, you know, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Wow. And that's, that's where I was, no doubt. So how did you get to the point where you recognized, man, I've got a problem, I've got to deal with this? She was gonna leave me. Wow. Natalie was gonna leave me and take the kids. Mm. Well, take Isabella, I should say, because Maddie wasn't born yet. So, uh, <laughs> and God, I can't blame her. Right? Yeah. I mean, 
So it, it got to a point where we were in a knockdown drag out fight and she's like, that's, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. And, uh, and that was a wake up call, but it wasn't enough. Really? No, it wasn't enough. Wow. So you made it past that, but what, what was it? What was the, the thing that just said, okay, that's it? So I found myself, uh, you know, and this was sort of my quote-unquote conversion experience. Wow. Uh, I found myself July 2nd, 2010, in the middle of a forest outside Daytona Beach, Florida. And if you know Daytona, uh, you know, there's racetrack, which is where obviously the, the 500 yeah. is held. And, you know, if you go not far at all, even a half a mile off that strip, there's some golf clubs and there's literally just undeveloped land. So I found myself out in that undeveloped land behind a shopping mall uh, in the middle of a forest, and I was so drunk I couldn't even walk. I'd gone to the race. I'd been drinking for five, six hours straight. And I don't mean, like, you know, drinking beer. I mean drinking, like, a fifth of vodka by myself. Wow. So this is at the Daytona 500. This was uh, actually at the, at the spring, or the, okay. the Coke 600. Yeah, okay. So uh, it may have been the the Xfinity series race the night before. Regardless, I found myself out, you know, just wandering, just hammered. And, uh, and I ended up falling into a ditch that was filled with what smelled like sewage. Uh, and you can't make this up, right? right. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And it's just total depravity. And uh, so I fell into this ditch and I'm like, this is absolutely pathetic. It was the lowest point. You know, we talk about hitting bottom in the, in the program or in yeah. recovery. And uh, it was the absolute lowest point. So then I decided, because, you know, alcoholics have great lines of thinking, well, I'll just kill myself. Uh. <laughs> wow. Right? I mean, that, yeah. is how, that is how twisted the mind can become. Wow. And, um, and I remember at that point, that I was like, this is, ab this is insanity. Mm. And we had met, you know, around this time, we had become friends with a family who were planting a church. And they had been sort of speaking into to Natalie, who had been, and I'd been on the periphery of this, speaking mm. into Natalie about the, uh, the gospel. Mm. And uh, I didn't grow up in church which is one of the rare things, you know, here mm -hmm. is I was unchurched mm. and uh, I just didn't know. Yeah. I had no idea. So at that moment in that ditch in the middle of nowhere, <sighs> I was like, that's it. I'm done. You know, and I said, Jesus, first time I'd ever spoken his name. This wasn't like, oh, God, help me. I'm so hungover. This was Lord Jesus. This is insane. I cannot keep going. Take this from me, and I will never drink again, and I will do everything I can to honor you. Where those words came from, I have no idea, right? I mean, I'd never heard that before. Wow. So that was, and I remember this vividly, and it literally in an instant, and this sounds so hokey to non-believers, mm. but in an instant, I was sober. Like, I could walk. I could think straight I could you know dust myself off and I mean granted I stunk like sewage but, yeah uh, I got up and I walked back uh, into civilization and I got on a, a bus that took us to a, a remote lot I got in my car and I drove home uh, 
And again, even on the drive home, I was like, this is, I, I have no idea what happened. This is insane. And I got home and it was three in the morning. Natalie's nine months pregnant with Madeline. This is 24 days before Maddie was born. And I get into the shower with my clothes on and I curl up in a ball and I just start crying. Mm. Because this was so, this was just so nothing I'd ever experienced. And Jeff, that's the last time that I've ever had a drink. And, but besides that, right? I mean, anybody can not drink. That's the last time that I felt that burning desire, like in the pit, it was gone. Wow. So I tell this story to, uh, you know, Nate Larkin? Yeah. So Nate Larkin is, uh, is part of the Samson Society. I met him at, uh, years later. Mm. And I tell him my story, and he looks at me, and he goes, man, I hate people like you. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Nate. That's great. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, no. I'm saying I struggle every day, and you're telling me you just got healed? Yeah. He's like, I hate people like you, but that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And it's the truth. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about it other than there, but, you know, for the grace of God, go I. Yeah. I didn't do anything. Right. It was wow. him. It was him. Oh, yeah. It's Amen. a miracle. Amen. I mean, it's all him. That's it. I mean, wow. So and that's, you know, it, it is. It's a miracle. Right. So when you talk about when we talk on oh, Sundays man. about miracles being real yeah. and miracles happening, it's true. Yeah. You know, you're I like, mean, that's me. That's all of us. I'm, I'm not going to pick up dirt and spit on it and, and, and you know, turn yeah. a blind man to sight. But. Man, I'm telling you, miracles are real. Yeah. They happen today. Because yes. I'm one of them. <laughs> Period. Oh. So how did that go over with Natalie? I mean, She did didn't believe me. Yeah. <laughs> right? And why would she? Yeah. We'd been down this road five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen times. Uh, I, I think when it set in for her um, was something that I did that was totally out of character. And she remembers this. She came into the bedroom one night, and I was reading a Bible. And she was like, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm reading, a, I'm reading the Bible. And she was like, why? She grew up Catholic, um, you know, and had, had a good foundation, mm -hmm. uh, had a really good, you know, experience and a strong church where she grew up. But since then had really sort of, you know, not been significantly involved. Um, we've gone to mass a few times. Yeah. And I think that that, that experience to her was like this maybe something actually is different wow and uh you know i don't know how long that was that that period there we, you know was really kind of me emerging from this eight ten year fog of of wow. just being drunk yeah so uh i don't know how long it was you know if it was three months six months uh and then i think she realized like holy cow this this is real <laughs> this happened Man. Yeah. And I'll tell you, though, it wasn't so the, the, the burning urge and the desire to drink and all that was lifted. Yeah. And hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, there was still and I think this gets sort of left behind. There's still this this idea that you I don't I didn't know how to live. Mm. Right. So what was it that was if alcohol was the crutch or alcohol was filling that hole? You know, that was removed from me. But I still had to spend the next easily five years, if not to this day, really yeah. to this day, I'm still working on uh, recognizing, you know, who it is that fills that hole, and it's only Jesus. Yeah. So, 
that's, that's an ongoing thing for me, wow. without a doubt. So did that come, you, you said it was like your conversion experience being Absolutely. in that ditch, you know? Yes. And then how did you start to grow from there? How did you allow God to start to fill that hole mm -hmm. instead of alcohol? So remember the family, the, the, the couple yeah. that I mentioned? Yeah, yeah. So they planted that church, and, uh, and we ended up going. Oh, that's And awesome. it was, you know, hey, let's just go check it out. And we went, and there was 16 of us the first night. <laughs> And uh, we were meeting in a dinner theater, <laughs> which was fun. So we would have to go and set up and tear down and, uh, you know, do nursery and, yeah. and do all that stuff you do in a church yeah. plant. And I remember feeling like, huh, th this is, it was the first, as an adult, for sure, the first time that I felt that sense of community that I think we capture so well here at Rolling Hills, mm, right? It was the first yeah. time that I noticed people like, huh. They actually care for each other. What's this? This is different. Uh, so, you know, that was that was key, I think, being there. And by the time that we left, so, you know, going with Nikki and Tommy Park, mm. uh, Tommy, who's actually with RUF, coincidentally, uh -huh. in, yeah. in Jacksonville, going with Nikki and Tommy and building that, that plant up and getting involved there with, um, you know, some of the lay leaders and, and doing Bible study with them and getting involved in, in their equivalent of A6 yeah. and really just jumping in and learning so much. Cause I'm a, you know, I'm an, I'm a, an observer, mm. right? Like an intellectual type. So mm. I'm buying books, I'm buying evidence that demands a verdict, <laughs> you know, I'm buying everything I can on apologetics yeah. and, and just really diving in. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So uh, I think that what happened is we went from that 12, 16 group, yeah. And by the time we left, we were at, you know, 250. And oh, I think God. now they're at like <laughs> three or 400. Yeah. So, you know, they're continuing. And, and actually a good friend of ours who ran a community group that we were in, I would still rank it as one of the best mm -hmm. community groups we were ever in. Mm -hmm. He's now become a pastor. Oh, and he's launching a plant in Atlantic Beach yeah. at the end of the summer. <sighs> so it's been really cool. But that was key, right? It was that community. Yeah. I've never seen that. That yeah. was never modeled growing up. I, I, I didn't know what that looked like or what that could do. Mm. So I think about, um, you know, churches here around town mm. who have lost their pastors. Mm. Either they've fallen mm. or they, you know, have moved on or, or whatever has happened. Mm. And people leave the church. Mm. I can't imagine doing that. Right. I mean, I love you. Right. You're an amazing teacher. Mm. But this church needs to be more than that. Exactly. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes. So and it's community. It's the body of Christ together. No doubt. Wow. No doubt. So over time, and, and this was not instantaneous, yeah. like, like my conversion experience, but over time, it just became obvious that I could use, mm. or not use, I could join this community and that it would help fill me up. Mm. You know, it wouldn't accomplish it completely, but, right. but it is the body of Christ. Yes. Man, Jason. So what did you see with Natalie? How did y'all's marriage start to change then? Yeah. So as I said, she grew up Catholic. Yeah. Um, you know, I was the, 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 the sort of liturgical, you know, aspects of the, ch of the Catholic church. Mm. I, I was very opposed to. Mm. And um, there was a part, there was a time where we almost didn't get married because I didn't want to have a religious ceremony, mm. right? I was very... Uh, antithetic to the whole thing 
And luckily she put her foot down mm. and we were married in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. So uh, I agreed that we should, I became open yeah. to trying whatever it was that she thought would um, would help our family. Yeah. So we went to mass a couple times and that was okay. Uh, it, it just still felt, you know, it felt transaction mm. to mm. me. Yeah. And again, when we went with Nikki and Tommy, it was more, um, more community. Yeah. So as we grew in that, and I think that it really opened up a form of communication between us mm -hmm. that wasn't there previously. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it improved both my heart. Mm -hmm. I think it improved her heart. I think it improved our ability as parents. Yeah. You know, it really, we went back and looked at, I'm a big believer, not only because it's in the word, yeah. but because of my own experience, I'm a huge believer in inter intergenerational sin. Mm. So, you took two people who were from families that had long histories of intergenerational sin, mm. um, you know, stretching back easily two or three generations. Mm. Uh, you took those two people and you put them together and, and, and then all of a sudden they have children. Yeah. You have to make a choice. And that is, am I going to continue, uh, you know, perpetuating that lie from the enemy <sighs> or are we going to break it? And I think she knew before I did that we had to break that, yeah. whether that was wherever that was. And uh, as I, you know, became more of, of clear mind, then that became a goal. Mm -hmm. One of the questions you always ask here on MLN yeah, is, yeah. What, is you, what do you want your legacy to be? Yeah. Well, my legacy is to break that cycle wow. in my family of alcoholism, of uh, abuse, yeah. of you know, negativity and anger and, and just viciousness, you know, very passive aggressive. Mm. And I want to break all of that in mm. my girls. Praise God, Jason. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, I, it's I, awesome, man. It's it fun, is. <laughs> isn't it? It's amazing. And to see um, where you were, like in 2010, I wasn't there, but obviously, but Natalie's walking out the door. Yeah. And your whole family's falling apart. Yep. And to see you call out Jesus, I need you, you know, to where those words come from and to see where you are today and to see the husband you are, to see the father you are, to see the leader in our church that you are. It's just, it's only God. Only God. It's only God. Not and, me. Um, it ain't me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, wow. what did I, what did I do to mm, deserve this? Yeah. The answer is nothing. Yeah. Right. Right. It's his grace. It is his grace. <laughs> and, uh, and man, that was the hardest thing for me to accept for a long time, mm. right? Because you wanted to earn it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it wasn't even that I wanted to earn it. It was, I know that I'm not worthy, therefore I won't even bother trying to earn it. Mm. Wow. It was, it was just, and I think that's where that, you know, that, um, that pit yeah. and that sort of depravity and, and all of that comes from, Yeah. you know, I'm not worthy. Mm. So, and that's why the alcohol was to fill you up and Absolutely. make you feel, you know, liquid courage, right? Hundred percent. What What would you say to guys that, who's ever watching out there mm -hmm. who maybe they're struggling with alcohol? They're struggling. Maybe it's just social right now, but they could feel that kind of got a grip on their hearts and yeah. lives. What would you say to them about what steps? Or maybe they're full blown man. They They know they got an issue. Oh yeah. Yeah. What yeah. would you say? 
So I think number one, I would say I don't have an answer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He, he does. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I think everybody's um, everybody's walk is different. Mm. I think that there comes a point where the people around you, um, you know, the people around you n will know it before you do, mm. right? That's one thing yeah. to be aware of. And um, you got to figure out what it is that's the driving force. Wow. Because until you know that, and I'm not saying that you need to, you know, I, th I think it's going to be different for everybody, right? So some people, maybe they go to counseling, maybe mm -hmm. they go to therapy, maybe they go see, um, you know, Cindy or, or mm -hmm. somebody else. Maybe maybe they go to celebrate recovery. Yeah. Maybe it's through the church. Yeah. Maybe they're not a believer. Yeah. I wasn't. Right. So I think that the path can be so different yeah. for everybody. I know AA works for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, growing up with my mom, I'm extremely familiar with the program mm -hmm. and I support it 100%. I'm, I have not uh, been to a meeting in many, many years. Mm -hmm but I know it works mm -hmm. if you work it. Mm -hmm. So that's an option. Um, and I think ultimately we need to accept the, the grace that he's given us mm. and know that it's not over. Yeah. Right. I mean, there was, there were so many points in my journey where it was like, I've gone too far. Mm. I, I can't, you can't come back. And that's just so not true. Wow. It's so not true. And I talk to people today that are like, if I step foot in a church, I'd start on fire. You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm too far gone. I'm like, dude, there's no such thing. Right. It's just not true. Right. So you can always come back. Mm. And he is always pursuing us. Yes. Right. I mean, I look back. Yes. I look back and I'm like, there is so many, there are so many things that happened along the path mm. where I could have gone left, mm. but instead I went right. Mm. It's just very hard to explain yeah. without having faith. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. it's like, I don't have enough faith to not believe. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of my, my thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a, you can be a great archer, but mm -hmm. the idea that we just happened to hit this exact target in yeah. the entire universe where we yeah. landed on a perfect planet, yeah. and it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Like, I believe too much in mathematics for yeah. that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, as far as people that are struggling, you know, I don't have a definitive answer. Mm -hmm. All I can do is share uh, my experience and, and say that, you know, you get into good Bible-based church mm -hmm. and you find yourself in a community of people who will lift you up, mm -hmm. that, that speaks volumes and that, that can do a lot. Mm. That can do a lot. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that because I think, Sometimes there is hopelessness when yeah. it comes to it's like I've got this issue, I got this problem, alcohol is consuming me, you know, and, and I don't have any hope. But there is hope, Absolutely. you know, and with God there is always hope. I mean, Christ changes hearts and lives, and we see Him do it all the time. Yeah. So don't give up. You exactly. Know? And uh, what would you say to what would you say to people? Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but no, it's all good. but to people like like natalie's the people mm -hmm. and maybe people are listening today and they go i got this friend yeah i got this co-worker i got this yeah i yeah. got this wife wife yeah yeah i mean today it's like you know so uh what would you say to people who they're in that environment around somebody and how do they how could they impact somebody like you who was going through that situation so that's a fantastic question because i actually think that that it's probably a more prevalent problem mm. than 
you know, reaching out to the directly to the alcoholic, right? Yeah. Because because we as addicts or alcoholics, you know, we affect everybody around us. Oh yeah. Right. So oh. it, so it's like you know you could you could go after the one person or or you could go after the nine, ten, eleven, twelve people that are surrounding them. So I think the most important thing um, is to recognize that you are limited in what you can do to fix somebody else. Mm. And when I say you're limited, you can't fix them. Right. <laughs> right. You just can't. Right. And you have to accept that. We went through this recently, excuse me for one. Yeah. We went through this recently with my sister. Mm. So um, my sister was the prodigal child. Mm. And um, while I was doing everything wrong, she was doing everything right. Mm. But at some point, our roles reversed. Wow. <coughs> and she found herself in uh, two broken marriages. Wow. And she found herself, um, you know, struggling with alcohol and going down a very dark path, similar to mine. Mm. So one year ago, actually one year ago, about 11 days ago, wow. we uh, got a call from uh, the guy that she was dating and um he's like I, d I don't know what to do and um she it was she was basically drinking herself to death so she weighed 87 pounds Ooh. and uh she literally couldn't walk because she had peripheral neuropathy that was just so significant mm. from you know her drinking so uh we said put her in the car and bring her here so he drove her halfway, uh, which I think was, you know, a little bit outside St. Louis. She's still in Omaha. Mm. And my parents went. They live in Murfreesboro and in Florida. My parents went and picked her up halfway, drove her back here, and they put her uh, into a program. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know. She'd never been in uh, rehab, right? And uh, we didn't know if it would work. But we knew we had to do something. Yeah. So there comes a point where, okay, you recognize that you can't fix somebody. Mm. You recognize that it's not your fault, mm. which is a big thing. Yeah. It is not your fault. Mm. Uh, however, there comes a point where you will intercede. Mm. And at that point, you pray. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah. You pray that that they get it mm. because y you can't force it. I mean, you know, they need to be ready. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we're seeing it now with the opioid epidemic, oh. right? There are a lot of people who never reach the point where they're ready and they end up dead. Mm -hmm. So you pray and, and you hope that, um, you know, he's always knocking yeah. and you hope that eventually they'll open the door. Yeah. And today, she uh she's another miracle <laughs> right so she now has uh she now has a year of sobriety wow. and here's the amazing part this is just wild so <coughs> from a medical perspective she had been basically infertile for years mm. and uh because she was drinking herself to death yeah so after she got sober within like a couple weeks she was pregnant 
which is, which is wild. But here's the, here's the really wild part. The baby, totally healthy. No God. I know. Oh, man. Her entire pregnancy, there's no hiccups. There's no preeclampsia. There's no, I mean, there's nothing wrong with this child. And she is born healthy, you know, eating, just, oh. I mean, perfect. So, and, uh, and now she's two months old, I think. Wow. And it's brought out, you know, it's brought out something in my sister that I think was gone or had been missing for a long time, yeah. which was just the ability to love. Yeah. Because I think she'd been burdened for so long that uh, she forgot. But now it's back. Praise God. Absolutely. Mm. So there's another miracle. Yeah, I know. I love it. Your whole family is a miracle. I mean, in a way, like where we are today, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You are correct. Hey, give us two takeaways. Mm -hmm. Two takeaways from you know, what you've learned, what God's taught you in this journey and around alcohol. and Yeah. So my two takeaways would be um, he's real and he's powerful. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt, right? I mean, what else could I come away with? Yeah. So, you know, he is real, he's powerful, and, and, and church works. Wow. Community works. The body of Christ works as he intended it. Mm. Right? Is it perfect? No. If you're yeah. looking for the perfect church, this yeah. isn't it. You right. always say that. <laughs> and I think that there is, um, you know, as we as we deal with people that you know come in and out of the church yeah. and and just a general decline in the church mm. outside of where we live, we're mm. so blessed to live where we live. Oh yeah. Um, I, I think that people have forgotten that. I think yeah. they look towards church or or you know religion mm. as. Uh, as something this perfection that they can't attain and they're like why would i bother like well you know who else hated organized religion jesus yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes. that's not the point right. right it's it's the body of christ it's the community it's the people it's the people wow and Man. it's a shared interest mm. so uh you know no matter how you end up getting sober yeah and maybe you never do mm. um i just pray that that you recognize he's knocking on the door and eventually you open it. Amen. Amen. Hey, so last question, but yeah. but um, you hinted at it earlier, but what, what do you want your legacy to be? So my legacy uh, needs to be that <laughs> I broke this, this, I broke the chains, right, of intergenerational sin in my family mm. and that I raised two girls who are not perfect yeah. Because that's not realistic. But I raised two girls who have a strong foundation and know who their Lord and Savior is. Mm. Right? And past that, there's really not much else I can do. Yeah. You know, the reality is, uh, I, I think Scott Sauls mm -hmm. up at Christ Press yeah. was talking about this. He said, you know, we need to be very cautious as parents that we don't take too much credit mm -hmm. because then we're going to get too much blame, <laughs> right? The reality is you raise the child up in the way they should go, and then they go. Mm -hmm. So uh, as long as I've poured in a good foundation, yeah. then I know that God is going to take them, you know, through the trials mm -hmm. of this world, and, uh, and they'll be okay. Mm. That's my prayer anyway. And you're changing generations. You're changing That's it. families. Praise God for That's that. That's it. Yeah. No doubt. Wow. Because I don't think there's much else I could do. No. <laughs> right? I mean. Oh, that's it. You just 
bring glory to God and live your life for Him. Exactly. And be transformed in that process. Totally. Yeah. Hey, let me pray for us right now. Absolutely. Father God, I thank you for Jason. I thank you for his testimony, God. I thank you, Father, for what you've done in his life. I thank you for uh, that ditch in 2010. Amen. <laughs> and uh, God, when he called out to you, you answered. And uh, Father, you brought healing and hope in him. God, I thank you for Natalie. I thank you for redeeming their marriage mm -hmm. and restoring. I thank you for the dad that he is today, God. I thank you for his girls. I thank you for his sister and mm -hmm. father, just the miracle she is. And so, Lord, we know you are a God of miracles. We know that you are a God who can break every chain. And I pray for any man watching right now who's struggling with alcohol. I pray for any person who's struggling with a, a friend or a relative uh, who's dealing with this today. I pray, Father, that you give them hope. I pray, Father, that you move in a mighty way in their hearts and their lives. And that, God, you bring healing just as you've done in my friend. And so thank you for today, and thank you for all that you do in our lives every day. And to you be glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Wow. Jason, thank you so much. And love guys, you, brother. Love you too, man. I do. Appreciate you. And um, Guys, thanks for watching today, and I hope and pray you've been challenged and encouraged as much as I have. And I hope you'll take this with you. Uh, be watching for the Man Minute. It comes out every week. Be able to pass those around, too, to other men who are walking and who want to grow in their relationship with the Lord, and then be watching for our next podcast coming soon. Thanks for joining in today. God bless.